Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. I am your host, Doug Winters, and I'm delighted to bring you my conversation with one of the preeminent party planners in New York, Leslie Mastin. Leslie's voice is indeed a unique one in the wedding planning industry because of her extensive background in hotels in New York. She knows everything there is to know about making the perfect party in a hotel or in a tent or a sun-drenched destination wedding in Barbados. And she was positively delightful to chat with. So here's my conversation with Leslie, and I'll see you on the other side. Okay, so this is episode 31, and I'm sitting on the beautiful Upper East Side with Leslie Mastin, who is an event planner. In my very pink apartment. In her very pink apartment, <laughs> which is actually, what color is that? Like, Well, that's more like a... Is that orange? Corally orangey, Corally, yeah. So yeah. pink and corals and oranges. But it's definitely very vibrant. It's vibrant. A little on the girly side, but it's it's my home. It's, <laughs> it's beautiful. The last uh, podcast, we uh, spoke with uh, David Beam. He, in it, he told the story about this, this destination wedding he did in Barbados. And Leslie calls me and she says, I did that party with David. He was the designer. I was the party planner. Which is an interesting um, thing to mention is that actually David Beam brought us into the mix. So it was a lot of times planners are bringing floral designers into the mix. In this case, this is about good relationships with vendors, or I like to say our party um, uh, partners. That's the nice thing about how our, a lot of our business comes to us. It's not all through just referrals or former brides. It's also through people that we work with that like working with us. And he was in a situation where someone had left that was doing kind of the planning aspect of his business. And he called me. So I was very fortunate that David brought us in. And I do have um, fond memories of that time in Barbados, as well as um, our situation with the rain plan. <laughs> but I'll leave it at that. Everyone should listen to that one because he's like a rock on tour, which I had no idea. Yeah. I didn't know that he had studied musical theater oh, yes, and studied yes, opera. Yes. And very, very talented. Yeah. We'll leave David. <laughs> That's okay. I don't mind being in the same uh, sound bites with him. Okay, good. <laughs> we recently did a party at Carnegie Hall where the day before they told us that the MTA was starting to rip up the subway on 7th Avenue. And basically, this was a black tie, 75th, 80th birthday. Our front entrance was now all chain link fence, impact attenuators, those big orange white things, um, sandbags, and it was a mess. This was a very good client. This was about the sixth or seventh party I did have done for the family. Very elegant Upper East Side crowd. Uh And... um, you know, again, you, there was nothing, it was out of our control, like the weather sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we contacted the uh, people from Carnegie Hall. We got their printing people as well as some people we had involved. And we did really creative 75, 80 birthday signs that went with our logo. And the MTA agreed to let us hang these signs on chain link fences along 7th Avenue. In the end, it was a great photo opportunity. Our clients, although kind of you know, a certain level Upper East Sider sure. got a kick out of it. Their friends got a kick out of it. And we made a bad situation into a fun and manageable situation. And if you're not there, what people are going to have is a chain link fence. Mm-hmm. I mean, they fence. still had a chain link fence. Right. But, but yes. you like kind of dressed up, a, <laughs> yeah. you know, put lipstick on a pig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Know? I, I no, don't know if that's the right No, that's, a, that's exactly what we did. And made it cute. Mm-hmm. And we made sure that staff was on the street and, you know, the client had a wonderful experience from the moment they got out of the car and they could tell we had thought it out or wow. their, or their host okay. had thought it out. 
Yeah, thanks, yeah, to, exactly. thanks to us. Yeah. We made them look good. <laughs> a, what we call legacy clients, a client that we have more than four or five parties with, a very dear client of us of ours. I have done both daughters' weddings, her birth 50th, his 60th, baby showers, um, doing her 55th soon. Um, they were planning their second son's bar mitzvah at a country club, and the country club, without letting us know, kind of slipped in a last-minute bar mitzvah on what we thought was the setup day that we were going to have and promised. Oh, wow. And they were like, well, we couldn't help it. It was a good member. We're just trying to help it out. It's not that complicated as yours. Well, ours was very complicated. We were recarpeting the ballroom. We were changing the drapes. It was a huge installation. So again, I, the the merit of hiring someone that's seasoned and can kind of figure out a solution rather than panicking mm. is okay. She so didn't this, know this till you got there. She she we knew we we had the date for a long time, but oh, the learning the yeah. learning the other bar mitzvah was coming in the day before <sighs> was was a short term booking. Yeah, and we were told they really didn't have a budget to design and it wasn't going to be a big loadout. With that said, we had too much to do to wait for them to load out, mm. to start. So basically, light bulb goes off and you say, okay, how can we work around this? You say load out. Right? It is probably one of the most challenging things, especially yeah. for our the designers, the, the rental companies, because every venue has its challenges. I mean, the Rainbow Room is a commercial building, so there's different you know hours they, they operate. Um, when we load in the Rainbow Room, we need to be able to give them license plate numbers, um, what color card is, what you know, what make it is, and this is all the things that clients don't even realize we're That's doing. That's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. yeah, this is just creative thinking and going back to working with someone that's seasoned is. We just could not afford to wait for this other bar mitzvah, no matter how simple it was. Right. This was a two-day, a, a good two to three-day load-in because we were laying carpet, and everything is a chain effect. So if you're changing the carpet over, the carpet has to go in before, then the lighting comes in because the lighting guys have to be able to rig the ceiling. After the lighting guys are done, then the tables go down. It's all a chain effect. And then the dance floor. And then the, the dance floor, and then the floral department comes in, and everything must be timed. So with this other party previously scheduled, um, light bulb went off in my head and I'm like, okay, they don't have a decor budget. Let me talk to my clients and see if they essentially want to give their lighting <laughs> yeah, and the some of their elements, like maybe their carpeting to this party. Right. And of course that party graciously <laughs> accepted it of course. and got a free, got a really nice free, um, decor elements for their party that they which could have been that helped us certainly several thousand dollars. Absolutely, keep going. But um, yeah. yeah, so that's creative thinking. That again, you know, the clients. When I had to tell her that there's a party coming in and this is what's happening, this is what I propose to do. If you're okay with it, we're not going to copy any of your main decor. But if I can get the lighting and rigging up ahead of time and the carpeting down, they're going to be happy, and we're going to be happy. And it's just Your client being, probably said, if they spill any red wine <laughs> on my carpet, I'll kill them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so do, is that a standard thing to replace carpeting? Is that a, It's not standard. Um, I guess I, I would standard. say if I, out of eight to ten weddings I do a year, maybe once to twice a year. And it also depends okay. if it's in a tent, because then tent there is flooring that goes down, right. and then options in carpeting that are different price points. So um, it's more so 
I'm dealing with it on tent basis than I am recarpeting ballrooms the most of the time. Okay. But you, you've been in enough ballrooms to know that some of the carpeting is subtle and you can kind of look, once the tables are down and the cloths are on, it disappears, or at least that's what you convince your client it does. <laughs> right. And then, then there's other carpeting that's god-awful terrible, and you just really, if, if they have it in the budget, then... It's nice. It's nice, but it's, it's a big ticket it's item. It's a perk. There's a lot of perks in what we do. So it's your job to present all the possible options to the people. Yes. I mean, it's our job to set a budget with a client. And no matter what client tells you, they don't have a budget. There's always a budget. We meet with clients. We get to know them. They get to know us. Um, we talk about budgets. We lay realistic budgets down based on our experience. And we usually keep some miscellaneous lines for upgrades. We really try to be as transparent as to what we think they're going to spend uh, as an estimate. Mm -hmm. But, you know... Um, there's a lot of uh, Pinterest boards out there and Etsy and, um, you know, Instagram and all these brides. Have, there's, the senses are just going and, and, and it's very easy to have budgets get out of hand if you don't have somebody controlling it. And many times I'm reeling the client back in. Budgets are sometimes can be very intangible. It's the, it's the fear of paying. And for our clients, it's the fear of paying for something um, that they don't need. If we know it's a destination wedding and there's a tent involved and there's going to be, um, you know, bathroom trailers brought in and it's going to be a three-day setup and the rigging and the lighting, we know from experience and we kind of, we have all these resources at our fingertips with previous bills from, you know, partners that we work with, kind of just put together through averages. So our numbers are pretty realistic. It's, you know... Obviously, decor always has a way of growing, um, and that's why we're very careful when we have our um, designers put proposals down. We give them a range of where we want them to come in because they need to know. They can't do a proposal without having... Oh, so having when you're talking about a budget, you're talking about including everything. Everything. The stationary band, suite, the, stationary. the band, everything from that to yarmulkes to welcome bags to transportation... Uh, photography, everything, yeah. everything, okay. everything so that you can possibly imagine, including the design. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is always a big what if, but if you, that's part of your interviewing process with a client. You're kind of getting a handle on what their expectations are, what pictures they're showing you. I mean, there's two different kinds of brides too. Mm -hmm. There's the bride that comes to you with a portfolio that's about. 10 inches high <laughs> um, that's dreamed about having her wedding day yeah. and has a gazillion ideas right. of what she wants to do. And then there's the other bride, which I, I enjoy because it get, lets me really do what I do. Right. And they come to me and say, listen, I'm, I'm a busy working woman. Um, we're coming to you because you're professional, you know what you're doing, and we trust you. Um, I have certain. I certainly have opinions on certain things. I know what I don't like. Other than that, I'm not one of those brides that has kept a portfolio my whole life. I'm looking to you for guidance. From there, we um, establish a timeline. It's kind of our guide to keep everybody on track through the year to come or the six months to come, whatever the time frame is. Um, and then we are connecting them with the with the partners that we think will make a good team. It's based on budget. It's based on personality. And I think that's probably one of the biggest compliments that we get back from clients is how we connected the right people. That it all worked as a it, team. Mm -hmm. uh, we really try... Uh, and this has really happened more over the last several years, we really try to limit it to introducing them to three um, 
vendor partners mm-hmm. um, throughout the process because I think it becomes overwhelming if they're oh, meeting yeah. too many people. Yeah. And, you know, you will have that occasional bride that just wants to meet everyone in the industry. And it's it's not a good use of their time. It's certainly not a good use of my time. And yeah. it's just, it's an overwhelming process. So once we've given the vendors a parameter of budget, uh, they then do the proposals and they come through us so we can make sure that, you know, the name's spelled right, they've got the right date, they're working in the parameters we gave them of the budget. The last thing we want them to do is send directly to our client and them to call us and say, what? <laughs> you right. told me it was only going to be, you know, $80,000. And they came back to me with a $150,000 budget. We fine tune everything. Mm-hmm. We'll go back. There may be, again, client doesn't even realize this. There may be three or four conversations before they finally see the proposal whether it be from an entertainment company, floral designer, lighting company. Um, so we, we vet all the vendors, we review contracts, we then send the contracts. Uh, we go on all the appointments with the clients on those e- interviews leading up to that. Uh, we set all their schedules. Um, yeah, there really isn't much we don't do. <laughs> right. No, that's a good thing to know. Yeah. So who, who is the person that needs or wants or know they want or doesn't know that they need but should have a party planner? I mean, I'd love to say everybody needs a planner. I think it's a great um, uh, luxury, and mm-hmm. I understand it is a luxury, um, which leads me to another topic, and that is um, the day of versus a full planning service. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's become really popular in the last – I've seen it more and more in the last probably five to six years. In my mind, there's no such thing as a day of planner at least not for what I do, and to do it well. Um, I will take a modified job on, um, and many times it will be um, one of my production managers doing it. That's the luxury in owning the company that I might not do day of or modified planning. Um, And basically what that means is you've secured all your vendors on your own. We haven't gone on any of the appointments with you. We're just coming to last back three months, which is usually when everything goes into full force. Okay. And we'll attend maybe the So last that's what you're considering kind of last minute. Yes. <laughs> the last yes. three months. Yes. Okay. So this um, is a major, that's what I wanted to be make clear. Well, there's, there's my, I, that's my modified planning. Right. I don't really want to do, that's not where, that's not our business model of doing day of. That's just not what we're interested in. Right. Day of meaning you pretty much meet them a week out. You kind of go over everything that they've worked on and then you show up and make sure it runs. It's just not how we've set our business up. But there are wonderful day of planners that I would certainly recommend if that's what the client's looking for. Um, Our client, you know, usually successful young uh, men and women uh, that are both working. Um, Many times our clients, I would say, are planning their own wedding. Their parents may be involved on the peripheral uh, or have said, you know, here's your budget. You plan your wedding with the planner. Um, sometimes I'm dealing only with a mother because the kids are too busy. Or the kids might be out of town. Or they're out of town. I mean, there's oftentimes we have a bride. She's doing her, you know, MBA program in London, and the groom is in New York, and oh, yeah. the mother is in Texas. And there's a there's no, you know. I have a bride right now that um, I have to meet at her venue uh, we're having lunch at her venue in uh, in February because mm-hmm. she's in St. Louis. She's doing an internship in St. Louis, right. and she, but that's ninety nine percent of our brides. All the more reason why having yeah. a planner and the hard work to pull everybody together. Right? Yeah, 
Right. Um, and to when you are in town, if it, if it is a, a bride or groom that are out of town, to try to coordinate all your appointments on certain days. So right. you're not trying to fly back and forth. How do you feel about social media and Pinterest and Instagram and all that stuff? Um, hmm, interesting. Well, let's, let's dissect that a little bit. Is Pinterest came onto the scene, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. Maybe it's been longer. And it seemed like a great tool. We all jumped on board. Um, everybody was pinning everybody else. And it was the new tool to use with brides, creating your own storyboards. Um, and oftentimes when I, when I speak to brides, I tell them that, you know, if you don't keep a portfolio of pictures, that's quite all right. Um, the process, the design process is going to evolve. However, and you don't have to feel like you have to read every wedding magazine there is. You could get your inspiration through an architect ma- architecture magazine. You could get it through oh, a, yeah. a gardening magazine. You could get it through a cooking magazine. Oh, I like that palette. I like the color of the food. I like the plate that food's on. You know, you can get your inspiration from many different ways. Right. With that said, um, yeah, we tried the route of like communicating because they were all, all these brides were so excited about doing Pinterest boards. And what I, what I found over the years... Um, and now is my advice to them when they ask me about creating that private Pinterest board, is um, <laughs> we would get these pins and it would be like, oh, so you like an ethereal look um, or you like a dreamy romantic look with a lot of candlelight. And then a week later, we would get a whole new set of pins. And I'd be like, <laughs> so you really like tropical flowers. <laughs> And you don't like uh, garden roses or hydrangea. And then a week after that, it would be like white orchids and chrome and, yeah. you know, acrylic pupa. And so acrylic if pupa. I took the Pinterest boards that I received early on planning stages and looked at where we landed at the end of the day, they <laughs> couldn't be further apart. So... I don't really think Pinterest it's is... It's almost like it, it's too much. It, it is. It's like your options are literally the sky's the limit. And Instagram is terrific, but it's also, there again, it's sensory overload. And that's where the budgets and all these things get so so frightening because these young brides and grooms are looking at some of the most over-the-top weddings that, of course, people are posting, I'm not myself included from time to time, right. that are just... They, they don't realize what goes be, goes into them to make them get that way. There are other certainly creative ways to make their dreams come true, but it's just it's sensory overload. And then, of course, the other part of social media is our world, our industry itself, right. and how it's 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 get it's a it's getting a little out of hand. Um, yeah. And just in terms of how people are communicating what they do and. Just there's there's not there's nothing left to the imagination anymore, at all. Everybody knows everybody else's business, and people unfortunately, I think what's happening too is people are copying other people's work that they're seeing on these social medias. Which That's is right. A, you never really be able to used which to is be able to do that. Something actually, I, I wouldn't mind talking about too is yeah. at least the way I work is you know I've had brides that have come to me and I've taken them to I'm going to use floral designers as an example because that's probably the most classic example. Okay. Um, and then they've turned to me and said, we want to go see, I'm not going to name names, okay. um, this big name okay. that really probably would not be in their budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and But we like the design of this person you showed us because um, we'd like to kind of 
basically shop their design. Right. And my response to them is, if you want to do that, you can go on your own. I will not do that to 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 my colleagues. You're not going to um, do a knockoff. I'm of, never going to do that. Yeah. Um, and that's really important to me. That's interesting. That's good. That's any more nice than talking about my competitors. I mean, right? We all there's plenty of business to go around, as far as I'm concerned. And quite frankly, I feel like I have a good um, group of fellow planners that we communicate. You heard this probably in my speech in yeah in London. You know, if we're not having morning coffee over the phone, we're texting one another, um, supporting one another, and saying good luck with your event. Or hey, does anybody have an extra? A hand on board, a freelancer that might be work for that we know work for you could work for me. Oh, wow. um, sharing notes. What a lot of clients don't realize is that everybody's shopping the same planners, so we all communicate to protect right. one another and also out of respect to one another. Oh, so that's so, interesting. So someone might come to see you, and that they might be going to see a very good friend of yours. We all know. We all know who's all going is, around. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, and we all are happy for whoever gets it. And right. um. We all share information too, you know. Oh, does anybody know a new photographer that you're really liking? Or do you know um, I need a venue for thirty people? So it's really important to keep those relationships. Yeah, those. Are, that's funny that you said mm-hmm. that because those those things are very important. Like picking a venue that's the proper size for what you need. Right. For example, we used to do a lot of parties at Roseland. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Going back. Yeah. Okay. And if you have a thousand people, mm-hmm. it's great. Right. If you have three hundred people, I could have every single person in the room on the dance floor, and it looks like nothing. Yeah. I'd rather have you a little, you know, yeah. snug, so that when you're on the dance floor and the dance floor is packed, I mean, nothing beats that feeling. Absolutely. Another set of advice rules to clients is the after party. Quit while you're ahead. <laughs> Don't wait until the last drunk guy is on this and you have two people left dancing on the dance floor. Can we talk about that? Oh, God. I mean, listen, I understand why there are after parties. And it also depends if you're at a, if you're at a destination and you just want to keep the weekend going. I understand that. Right. Um, and the other part of the after party, I think for the couple especially, is they've been all, they've gown and their tuxedo and they've been, you know, tried to kind of not been drinking throughout the course of the night, um, walking around the tables, saying hello to their guests, been part of all the um, the uh, ceremonial things and mm. the toast and the first dance and all these different things. And the parents are all there and all the older people are all there and they haven't really had a chance to let their hair down. Yeah. So I, in, the, in my mind, the, the after party is for the bride and groom to finally just say, Relax. okay, well, we did it, let's up. have fun. Yeah. Um, and that's all fine and good. I just uh, said kick their feet off. Yeah. Well, kick, did I say that? <laughs> kick, kick their feet up. Um, so I, um, you know, there's there's a lot of different um, ways of looking at it. It used to be that everybody wanted to like end in a ballroom or wherever the main venue was that they were having the ceremony and then go to another room. Yes. Uh, the Pierre is a perfect example. What I found over the years is instead of moving them to yet another place, you know what? You just have to change the lighting. You have to change mm. the music mm-hmm. vibe and maybe you tighten up the dance floor and like stagehands are bringing in furniture that you don't even know where it's coming from. And you just continue the party in the same room. I just recently did a, a huge wedding at um, Cipriani Wall Street 
and we put the DJ up on the top of the balcony. Mm. Um, we brought in Katz's Deli. We did, we had a bar, bartenders that all like ripped their jackets off and had the cl- name of a club of the, ki- of the kid's last name. Oh, that's and funny. And we just tightened the room up and brought the lighting down and kept the party going right. instead of losing everybody moving to another room. Which yeah, that I, would be my fear that you'd lose yeah. half of the guests. Um, my biggest fear really is the after parties usually all work and the people stay. You know, if you had 200 people to 250 people, you're going to be sure that for the first hour you might have 100 and it's going to go down to 75. It's the after parties that want to keep going. That now people are drunk oh, and that it's, you know, it's petered out and you have that last five people on the dance floor. Right. Don't let it get to that point. Right. You know, if you, an after party, I think, should be an hour, continued an hour after the party is max. over, max. Yeah. I mean, usually it's time to call it a night. I mean, the other thing that we're in, in talking about um, weddings and after parties and dresses for after parties that and this is just kind of throwing that out there as advice to brides is um, dress changes and hair and makeup. Um, I feel like I see so many brides today just spending so much time on their hair and makeup that they're absent from the party half the half the night. Oh, really? You know, I mean, I remember when I got married, I had my hair and makeup done. It was like ten o'clock in the morning, done. But I don't think I looked in a mirror again until the end of the night when I got out of my wedding gown. I, I just wanted to have fun. And right. that would be my one big advice. Have fun at your wedding. Don't. Some of these girls are constantly having their hair and makeup touched up throughout the party. I had a wedding at the Mandarin Oriental. She had six dress changes. Wow. Some of it was cultural, but still. She was up in her suite the whole night because with every dress change, she had a different hair change. She did have makeup touch up. She, I would think the in the entire five hours of the wedding, she was probably in the room present a full hour. <laughs> oh, my God. So, and I get the after-party dress because you want to have something that's more comfortable to really dance in. But make it simple. Do it quickly. <laughs> get back out there. Yeah. That, don't, don't spend a whole just... other hour having your hair and makeup done. We understand as planners that we, a lot of times we have to meet um, at the end of the day, early evening, mm-hmm. sometimes a little later than we um, plan, sometimes if we're available on weekends. But the other thing is we just, we, I've gotten to the point where I'm, I'm including it in my contracts that they have to be present. You know, they have to make the time. It's your wedding. It's not my wedding. You know, I can't, unless you're going to say you have carte blanche and you can make decisions on my behalf, which I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can't question that things aren't getting done if you're not putting the time into it. So, right. you know, another important thing to me is that the brides and grooms have to make a commitment. You know, they're going to have to take a day here and a day there off from their work schedules to be present to help make decisions. Right. Um, it's their wedding. And we're here to help guide them, but uh, they have to be present. I mean, little sage pieces of advice, advice that I tend to give yeah. is try not to listen to friends that have gotten married and tell you, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do that? Or, you know, oh, I'm so late. You know what? This is New York City. Anything. We can make anything happen. Within reason, but we can make just about anything happen. Right. Don't panic. Don't walk into bridal salons and have them say, oh, you're really late. You will get a dress. You know, don't get caught up into this, like, I don't have enough time. Everyone's going to be booked. We will find you the right band. We will find you the right photographer. Right. I really enjoy sometimes when 
a, cl- a client comes to me and they're just hiring the planner six months out. There's no time for vacillating over questions. Right. <laughs> you have to make quick decisions. Yeah. So, so sometimes shorter term planning is even better because you have to make your decisions quickly, um, not to be pressured. Enjoy the day. Enjoy enjoy the process. Right. You know, it shouldn't be a painful process. You're getting married. Exactly. <laughs> this should be fun. I understand there's family dynamics. I understand there's a lot of backstories, and trust me, we've seen it all. Um, have fun. Enjoy the moment. Don't you know? Don't come to meetings like and and, and all these relationships. Everybody forgets what, why they're there. And I just think you just need to sit back and enjoy the moment and let us make it as seamless as possible for you. You've hired us as planners. Respect that we know what we're doing and that we're here to help you. All right, let me throw a curveball. Yeah. Okay. What's like the worst case scenario where, when everyone kind of feels like they're in charge? Like there's no point person? Well, that's interesting because I do ask who is going to be the decision maker when I'm planning an event. Mm. And at least I try to keep it that I mean, listen, if the, if the parents are paying, obviously they have it. A big, they have a big say in it. Mm-hmm. Um, lately, I'm finding that a lot of mothers are letting their daughters plan um, the day to day. They definitely want to be included for the big picture questions, um, and that they're trying to say, "This is my daughter's wedding. I want her to have what she wants." But then there are always those sidebars that are happening that are telling me. She says she wants that, but I don't want that. I want this. Uh-huh. So it's it's a balancing act. There's yeah, no question. And there's some that are really easy and it's wonderful. And then there's other that are just really tough. Um, so I, worst case scenario, I can't even begin to tell you because they would know who they were. I mean, do people come in and, and sit and like start arguing with, you know, oh my I goodness. want this, I want that. And oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. The stories are endless and I will write that book someday. I like to be behind the scenes. Right. I like to be in the production. I'm still a schlepper. I'm not. You're, I'm never going to be the planner that's, uh, where's Leslie? Oh, she's at the hairdresser getting her hair and makeup done um, while right. the party's going on. That's not who I am. So let's, let's talk mm-hmm. about social media. Where do people find you? Well, um, our website has been under construction for about a year now. You know, <laughs> when I first called Leslie to do this, I uh, said, all right, let me start doing my homework. And I went to the website and I said, Hmm. It's going it's to be coming out. It, it's it's <laughs> going to be coming out very soon. And the bottom line is, for what we do, yeah. and I think all my fellow planners would agree, as long as you have pretty pictures up that is showcasing mm-hmm. your work, yeah, it, you don't. They just want to know the aesthetics and and see pretty pictures. So it will be up soon. Um, but I would say at this point, you know, it's funny. We're having a pretty good first quarter, right. and the website hasn't been up in a while. Um, so it's all word of mouth, it's, literally it's, all word of it's mouth. It's all word of mouth, and it's and Instagram really does help. I mean, every once in a while, uh, when I speak with a bride that is isn't clear where she's come from, if it's if she's re- whether she's been referred by a former client or referred by one of the venues or a vendor, um, I'll say, "How did you find us?" And she'll say, "I stalk you on Instagram." It's very funny. I actually have somebody managing it now because I was I just didn't have the time. I feed them information. We have a calendar, um, and she's young, and she'll send everything to me first to make sure 
I approve it. Right. Um, and the right and then, people are tagged. Or yes, which is a whole lot. I mean, that's a whole other thing. You get emails or tags or texts, and I'm, I've been to blame myself to say, you know, you forgot to include me. <laughs> people are, it's, it's very sensitive. <laughs> yeah. People are very sensitive, but I understand. I do. I do. It can be a good thing. But it can also, um, you know, I understand all this bullying in schools and things because it's not unusual for me to speak with colleagues or that are they're upset because uh, they weren't invited to something they saw on Instagram that everybody was invited. Yeah. It's awkward. It's too um, much. And people calling them, you know, colleagues and saying, how come I wasn't invited to your party? And I, I, I don't know. I really am trying to limit Instagrams, any Instagram of Annie and I gets more likes than anything else, which I, is beyond me. Yeah, because people want to know who you are. I guess. So you have a hotel background. So I... Um, Not necessarily a design I mean, basically, background. my quick story is it's that I graduated from high school. I was a social butterfly. Were you um, a New York kid? I was. I, I lived in Suffern, New York. That's where I grew up. Suffern, okay. And... Um, while all my friends were getting accepted to colleges, I was getting the rejection notices. And um, I unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess probably fortunately, I had to end up sucking it up and going to community college for a year while all my friends were away at state schools. Right. Um, and guess what? When I didn't have all those outside forces, I, I was not a bad student Yeah, all of a sudden all. you're a straight-A student. <laughs> straight-A might be pushing it, but college. yeah. Um, so I went to Rockland County Community College for oh, a year, okay. yeah. hated every minute of it, spent every weekend visiting my friends at college. And my mom, who I write about in that, in that mentioned in the Forbes article, yeah. uh, divorced working woman, uh, we sat down one day and she said, like, make a list of what you really like to do. Because I was now, okay, I was, I definitely could start applying to schools again and probably get in. Right. And I said, you know, I don't think I want to take a traditional route. I really love entertaining. I was always the kid that was making the place cards at Thanksgiving time. I was always doing the flowers on the table. I was cooking for my brothers when my mom was working late. Um, and I love doing that. And so what we realized is, well, maybe you need to go to a hotel school or a culinary school. So I started applying um, to Culinary Institute, uh, got Johnson & Wales, and uh, several. I thought I really, the direction I was headed was to be, I wanted to go into being a chef. I ended up going to Sullivan County Community College, which was not probably the best of the best, but it, you know, went to school in my chef whites with my knife case. And really, oh, really? that's, yeah, that's the, that's the direction I thought I was headed. They do have knife cases like they in do. the movies? They do, they're roll-up knife cases, Yeah. So um, I graduated, and um, I, when I finished that, I fast forward, I got accepted into the, it was the New York Hilton, an in-house food and beverage training program. Okay. Um, Norbert Rademacher, who I think has since passed away, uh, was the food and beverage director at the time. I did my food and beverage training 18 months long mm -hmm. um, in every aspect. So I worked everything from the food storeroom with Benny Rodriguez finding his Cuban wet cigars <laughs> and fulfilling orders from all the chefs that would bring their orders uh, to the, their purchase orders to the window of the food storeroom to working in the stewarding department, which is all back of the house, the China flatware, you know, making the orders for the big banquets to working in the cocktail lounge, every aspect of the hotel. And during that time, he thought it would be a wonderful opportunity if we did some kind of exchange program in Europe and did what's called the Nostagier. So we joined forces with the Hotel de Berg in Geneva for six months. What's it called? Hotel? Hotel de, Hotel de Berg. I don't know whose flag it is now. It's it's on the Lac Lucerne. You looked up at the pictures of the postcard of the hotel, which was a luxury hotel. And my room was up at the top little peak. And, oh, that's funny. Um, 
And I worked there for six months. I did my stagiaire in pastry and garmanger. So pastry and garmanger is cold food prep. Well, what is cold food prep? It's making steak tartare. It's doing ca- cold canapes and things like that. Everything that you could do beforehand. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so we did. I did that for six months. I was going to try to stay on and move to a hotel, uh, another hotel, but my French, unfortunately, uh, was not good enough. So I came back to the States, and my first job, continuing on at the New York Hilton, was in the stewarding department, which was what I think is... Which is the, what? Stewarding is all back of the house. It's in charge of uh, dishwashing, silver, china, glassware, prepping for the big events. So... Um, kind of like what makes everything is the foundation for how the hotel runs Mm -hmm. in terms of the banquet catering. I did that for a good six months to a year. And then um, Tom Hogan was the director of catering at the time. And another woman was his assistant, Joanne Falco, um, just liked me. And we, we got along and they knew I was a hard worker and I, they knew I did not want to stay in the back of the house the rest of my life. And I got my first position in catering banquet sales. And moved up to the upstairs, <laughs> to the Hilton, and I, I was there all the five years at the Hilton. And then I got a phone call one day from Chris Carey, um, who used to be the director of catering at the same. I'm dating myself now. At the St. Regis, <laughs> okay. um, governor, former Governor Carey's son, not Met Club. What am I? The club across the street from the Met Club. Um, oh, the Harmony. Club? The Harmony Club. He's yeah. the general manager. At least I think he still is. And. Uh, I went to work at the St. Regis, so I went from big hotel to luxury small hotel and kind of honed my skills on, you know, weddings and social parties. Mm -hmm. I was there for a year, and then the position came up as assistant director of catering at the Grand Hyatt New York, and I was there for close to 10 years. Then there was, uh, my husband had had an accident, which brought me back home to be work closer to home Mm -hmm. and uh, trying to figure it out. Uh, what my next step was. And then lo and behold, I worked at a local restaurant. There was some conversation that I was going to become part owner and we were going to be partners and it just did not work out and it was not for me. And one day Harriet Rose Katz called and said, I'm friends with Raymond Bixon. He's the general manager at the Mark Hotel. He's looking for a director of catering. Are you happy out in New Jersey? Uh, no. <laughs> the Mark Hotel is so So great. it was Harriet Rose Katz that brought me back into the city That's after a, funny. a half a year or so absence. And um, I became the director of catering. That was my first director of catering position at the Mark Hotel. And worked there for three years. Again, high-end social market. Big high-end. It used to be a yeah. big celebrity hang. Yes, right? yes. Like, uh, yeah. It's such a charming hotel. And... I mean, I was there prior to it being renovated, but it was right. still a charming hotel. Yeah. And um, and then one day a headhunter called and was talking about what would later become the um, Regent Wall Street, which was Cipriani Wall Street. Then it closed as Cipriani Wall Street, and it opened as Re- Regent Wall Street, the first four-star hotel on Wall Street. I went, interviewed, and I took the job, and I was there for, I guess, I was there for three years, um, up to when 9-11 happened. And um, at there, we did, you know, um, Liza Minnelli's Wedding to David Guest. We did a lot of big production events wow. and some really, really fun, big stuff there. Yeah. So that was really, I honed my skills on the big production stuff, which was great. Uh, and then, unfortunately, 9-11 happened, and the hotel remained open, but we were really a relief center for a while for the firefighters. And then when we finally reopened, it was really, I, I, I call them, everybody was doing sympathy events downtown to support downtown. Sure. And that lasted a very short while right. because at the end of the day, everybody went back uptown and the hotel was hurting. So the hotel closed 
and during that time, um, had a couple of offers, but I knew that I didn't want to go back to the hotel industry again. Mm. So, and then one day just realized, you know, if I don't, I should be doing this myself. I got it. If I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And, um, Leslie Masson Events, six years, and was this past November. Wow. So I wasn't always, you know, in my own event company. So I'm kind of like, you know, reinvented myself a couple of times over. Yeah, <laughs> um, which we all do. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a matter of that I got married, decided I liked wedding planning. Right, right, <laughs> so, right, right. Um, I do have a, a I do. You have a gigantic, you have a huge wealth of information, a storehouse of. But I can't talk about it half the time because I can't remember. <laughs> No, but it's in your head. <laughs> it is in my head. So you've had quite a career. I have. I have. You work with Still not over. Amazing. <laughs> I always think about Marcy Bloom's comment on something to the effect of, you know, do you have an exit plan or what do you, did you ever think of retirement? And we, and we, I think we're both in agreement that we'll probably die in the middle of an event. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> that's, mean, a, that's a morbid thought, but. <laughs> and I'm trying to at my, at this point in my life, try to do kind of think out of the box and do different things. Bridal show was a classic example. I just, I was kind of behind the scenes and that's the mm-hmm. way I wanted it to be. Um, I, I knew of the show through mutual friends that were involved, that the gentleman that started it and a friend of mine that was in the event business. Um, and I had gone to the show in London several times and is it a London base? It is. Okay. It is. And I was impressed upon how it ran and the quality of vendors they got and that it was not, um, overcrowded, which, um, you know, there's a lot of wonderful bridal shows that have been produced here. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of my colleagues that have done some successful events, but I just wanted something a little bit on the more intimate side that if I was going to be involved. Um, so I agreed to do it more on the producing end, not selling. I didn't want to be asking vendors to be involved. I just wanted to kind of see how it went. And, and, um, with Annie's help, who's my production manager, um, we really did all the behind the scenes for it. And I'm happy to report it was well received. Um, you know, there was a lot of learn. It's a big learning curve, and um, I think everyone enjoyed themselves and, and found it to be um, helpful. Yeah, that's bride lux. Bride lux. Yeah. Yes, there's a, they all. A lot of them sound a lot alike. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Leslie. My pleasure. You're amazing. Oh, so what is your Instagram? Just it's Leslie, Leslie Mass and Events. Okay. Mm-hmm. Easy. Yes. Thank you so much. You're, You're welcome. Best. Thank okay. you. Bye bye. Stumble a lot, I felt, but I guess that's what happens when you split. <laughs> it's like you, all of a sudden you have like, what was I talking about? And the and the worst part is you like you yeah, and these things and say, oh, why didn't I say that? Why didn't I say that? But I, I think I think we accomplished. Tell me, is she not truly delightful to listen to? And with that background, just you know that everything she says is the gospel. So thank you for joining us. Well, once again, you can find me on Instagram at Doug Winters Inc. My website is DougWintersMusic.com, and you can see a seven-minute live video of my band, Best Kept Secret, in action. And uh, I'll see you next time. Bye, guys.